Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you. Welcome to this seminar. This is the seminar for Worship and Discipleship. So if you're not here to listen to Worship and Discipleship, then uh, you can leave quietly now or stay if you want to. Maybe have your life changed forever. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, New Horizon over the years had a really good culture uh, of developing a culture of worship, and it's really good this year to have uh, to have the three worship leaders who've been here for the first few days, uh, Luke and Anna and Ryan, and uh, they're involved in Worship Central, and I think Ryan's going to explain a little bit about that, and uh, then they're going to just take you through a whole seminar on worship and discipleship as part of an extended series of seminars today on the whole area of worship. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to hand over to them. So let's just pray together. Father, we thank you because you are good. And we thank you because you invite us every day uh, into that place of worship. We thank you for what Worship Central are doing in terms of just helping to develop a culture of worship across the UK. And I pray you bless these guys this morning and bless them throughout today in all that they do and in all the ways that they serve this event this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you like to give them a round of applause as we welcome them this morning? Thanks. Are you guys so kind? How's everyone doing? Good, grand, good, good, good. Is anyone not from Northern Ireland here? Anna, where are you from? Dublin. Dublin. Where, where are you from? Brent, Be- Brentford, Bedford. Is that that's in England, right? <laughs> where, keep it. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. We're going to go around. Yeah. Glasgow, yes, awesome. Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Okay, some some Scots and some English with us. Uh, let's pray for them now. Um, jokes, <laughs> jokes. Um, hey, we we are so uh, glad to be here. We um we've been leading worship the past couple of nights, and we've just seen uh, God do amazing things. And um, we really believe that when we gather together in worship that when the church gathers together through denominations, that powerful things just happen. And through the Holy Spirit's work, through God alone, these amazing things happen. We saw a little testimony online. Um, someone had put that they came forward for prayer on Saturday night. And uh, she um, she had some, something to do with her stomach, but she was completely healed. Uh, and it was through the worship and through prayer together. And we see these amazing things happen. We see salvation break out. We see um, God do these amazing things as we lift up his name and keep, it, keep our eyes on him. And we as Worship Central in, in Northern Ireland and Ireland, we've gathered a team. Uh, we've been around uh, the island a good bit, just um, resourcing churches, resourcing worship leaders, songwriters. And uh, it's been so much fun. And I'm so thankful to have Luke and Anna with us. Luke and Anna, head up Worship Central Around, well, look, heads up, Worship Central around the globe. Anna is worship pastor at Gas Street in Birmingham, and they'll tell you a little bit about the journey um, in a wee second, but we are so thankful uh, to have them here, so we look forward to hearing them speak on uh, worship and discipleship. So why don't you welcome them as they come. Brilliant. Well, thank you for that, and um, yeah, it's great to be with you. We, we love... Uh, we love the whole of this island, and uh, we spent um, yeah a good few um, trips. Well, coming back and forth to see Anna's family, and uh, we just have a real heart and passion for this whole uh, region. So it's great to be here. Um, and uh, actually, Anna and I spent um, about six, seven weeks um, here in Coleraine, um, 
and Port Stewart a few years back with the, s the guys at CCV, um, just kind of learning from them and seeing what God was doing. And so that was a really special time for us. It's great to be back. Um, and worship uh, is something that's been a part of our story, you know, for, well, forever, really. Um, you know, we believe that worship um, is our purpose, uh, that we're connected, each one of us, we're connected to God. God's made us in his image. And uh, our purpose in life is to be in relationship with God. And we know that God's, um, he, he's rewriting a story. We're on this uh, journey towards restoration um, of the new heaven, the new earth. Uh, and he's asking us to co-labor with him. And so it's a beautiful picture of how uh, we're just related to God uh, in that. And worship is a huge part of that. You know, worship, um, as Griff said, it has this ability when we shift our attention away from the things of the world and everything that the world is throwing at us, you know, fame, success, uh, celebrity, um, sex, money, all this stuff. When we shift our eyes off that and onto Jesus, when we place Jesus at the center of our worship again, we know the world will be changed. Amen. Uh, and so that's our, that's our vision, that's our heart, that's our passion. That's why when we get up to lead worship uh, through music and through song, we're super passionate about it because we know there's ability there in the room for God to do anything amongst lives and hearts. So that's our passion. And... Uh, this seminar today, we, we've been running Worship Central for a number of years, as Griff said, and uh, it's been amazing to see the way that people have gathered around this vision, um, to see every lo local church set on fire with the worship of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that's, again, that's the name Worship Central, is we want to make Worship Central again. And the session today that we want to share with you uh, is around worship and discipleship. And our... Um, our sense is that uh, as a disciple, you know, that, that's part of the journey that we're on again is to be a disciple. Being a disciple means to follow Jesus in its most simple form. It means to follow Jesus. And, and if we're going to follow Jesus, then the kind of knock-on effect of that is, is that we'll automatically be leaders. We'll automatically be leaders because... What will happen is as we seek to follow Jesus, we will lead others into an encounter with him. And I think that's kind of one of my passions in life is if we were to see every Christian fully alive in the power of the Spirit. I mean, that's the kind of through the power of his Spirit. That's the kind of catchphrase uh, this um, week. And I know kind of the, the mantra of this movement of New Horizon. If every Christian were to be alive in the Spirit, Again, this world would be a different place. And so um, we're leading others into that encounter with him, not just through music. You know, we, we passionately believe as Worship Central that w worship is about Romans 12, the whole of our lives. We can't just reduce it to music. But we know and we see through Scripture, there's this journey that the people of God always gathered together, you know, at key moments. You know, think of um, when the Israelites came um, through the, the, um, the parting of the, the seas. What did they do on the other side? Miriam led them in a song of worship. You know, when Mary realizes that she's carrying the Savior of the world in her womb, what does she do? She sings, well, probably the most famous song in history now, the Magnificat. Um, and so there, there's these moments where the people of God gather to worship because there's something significant that happens when we do. And so um, 
it's so important that we realize as we're becoming disciples, we lead others into that encounter. And so we want to talk about some principles that we think are really important in this whole thing of being a disciple and therefore a leader. And so um, if we get these principles right, we'll become the kind of leaders that I think God is calling us to be, the kind of disciples uh, that God wants us to be. And when we look around the world, and we kind of talk into this thing of being a leader. We can kind of be a, a bit afraid. We can uh, get a, maybe a little bit depressed because we see lots of leaders messing up, don't we? Uh, sadly, you know, we see lots of um, uh, abuse, uh, deception, greed, hypocrisy. Lots of things in leadership that maybe kind of turns us off uh, the prospect of being a leader. And as a result, we can feel afraid and kind of step back from all that God's calling us into and yet you know whether you uh, knew it or not before you came into this seminar room you are a leader who um, here is kind of leading worship uh, leading teams or part of the worship team here just raise a hand if that's you yeah you're a leader you're a leader in your church in your community you're calling people into this atmosphere of worship shifting their eyes helping to shift their eyes off the stuff um onto onto Jesus and so you are a leader and so it's absolutely vital that we get to grips with this thought uh, and just a little question as we uh, kick off how can we be the kind of leaders the kind of disciples that are authentic and fit to serve our communities. Just uh, turn to a person next to you and just literally one minute, just uh, chat that over. How can we be the kind of leaders that are authentic and fit to serve our local communities? Might be that you just need to find someone. Uh, just talk that through with them for a second. Okay. Just draw those together. Um, so it seems to me with with, uh, with leadership, you know, we're, we're fascinated by this topic at the moment in the world. You know, um, I don't think there's ever been a time where there's been more books written about it, more kind of TED talks out there, uh, more self-help uh, initiatives. And uh, all this stuff leads to this kind of uh, thought that we can we can do it. We can do it ourselves. And uh, we're fascinated by, you know, these inside tips that are available. How to lead well, the courses, DVDs. Um, there, there's so many um, uh, leadership masterclasses that we can go on. Uh, all competing for our attention on how to be uh, the best leader. And um, that's all great. But we know that there's one leader who's had more impact on the world than any other. And I know it's a sort of Sunday school answer, but that person is Jesus. Woo! Um, exactly. And so it's to Jesus that, that we must turn our attention uh, if we're going to understand authentic leadership. You know, Jesus' life was totally unique. Totally unique. It was utterly radical. It towered above uh, anyone else in history, and his leadership was revolutionary. It was countercultural. Uh, Napoleon once wrote this: Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself have founded great empires. But upon what did these creations of our genius depend? Upon force, 
he says. Jesus alone founded his empire upon love, and to this very day, millions will die for him. You know, this was coming from a, a war general um, talking about Jesus, that he is the ultimate leader. And so to help us um, stay in tune as leaders, as disciples, we're going to explore six key principles of leadership that, you know, if we keep them in tune, we'll be on, uh, on a good track. We'll be uh, on the right track to following Jesus. And um, you'll, you'll like this, sort of slightly gimmicky, but just as a guitarist would tune their strings, you know, if they're in tune, makes a sweet sound. If they're out of tune, mm, doesn't sound so good. And so we've based these six uh, key lessons, key principles around the six guitar uh, strings. So firstly, the E string is for examine your heart. Examine your heart. In Mark uh, 12 verse 30, Jesus says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Examine your heart. Now the human heart, is an amazing thing. Uh, typically the same size as your fist. You might want to just, you know, raise your, your fist, have a look at it. That's typically uh, what your heart would be uh, the size of. And yet even when your heart is resting, it exerts twice the relative strength as your leg muscles do when they're sprinting. So just when you're, you're just chilling here, just resting, just listening to me, it's Putting out twice the relative strength as when your leg muscles sprint. Now, maybe some of you haven't sprinted for a while. Um, you, maybe you should do that after this and just uh, get that feeling back again. I, no, I certainly need to go sprinting again. But um, in an average day, the heart beats typically around 100,000 times in one day. Now, over a lifetime, that's about half a billion times. And God uses this physical picture of the heart to talk about the importance of our inner spiritual motivation. Now, the common uh, biblical understanding in both the Old and the New Testament was that the heart was the control center of a person's being. You know, all our ideas, our thoughts, our motives, our decisions uh, flowed from the heart from this kind of control center. And throughout scripture, we see that uh, through our hearts, we uh, do lots of things. So Deuteronomy 4.29 talks about uh, that with our hearts, we look for God. Uh, later on, it says that we love God with our hearts. In Joshua, it talks about how we serve God with our hearts. In the Psalms, we meditate on him through our hearts. In Proverbs, it talks about this uh, thing of trust, Trusting God with our hearts. In 1 Peter 1.22, it talks about loving others with our hearts. In the Psalms, there's all this language around pouring out our hearts in worship. And so to God, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And so learning to lead authentically is about asking God to teach us what it means to worship with our hearts. It's like in, in Christ, as Christians, actually the main instrument of worship is our hearts. In Christ, the main instrument for God, for worshipping him, is our hearts. It's primarily that that he listens to, 
not our guitars, not our organs, not our voices, not our drums, but actually the sound of our hearts. You know, what's the sound of our hearts on a Monday morning after we've done our worship time on Sunday? That's what God is listening to primarily. And so it's really important to engage with that. You know, what's the sound that's coming from our lives, from our hearts when the music stops? When we're at work on a Monday morning or when we're out with our friends on a Friday night. And so to respond to the greatest commandment that we love God with all our hearts, we need to learn what it means to examine our hearts. Just as we get, you know, regular health checks, we go to the doctor. It's important that we keep looking in to our hearts and see what's going on, checking up that they're healthy. And so a helpful habit that I've often found is I get to certain points, normally weekly, where I need to just take five minutes and kind of process what's happened this week, what has gone through my heart, what are the kind of motives and decisions that I've made from that place. Uh, Some people I know, uh, they use a journal, they write things down that they're processing, they reflect prayerfully on what's happened over the week. You know, what are the lessons that I can learn from this week? What have the successes been? What have the failures been? And rather than just sort of going through week by week, just plowing on, we need to take five, ten minutes, whatever it is, just to get a checkup again into our hearts and see what's going on. Some questions that you can ask yourselves uh, to help with that. Uh, Is my calling sure? Is my passion hot? My passion for God, is it hot? Is my pride subdued? Am I growing in patience and self-control? I love what uh, Dave Richards has been talking about, you know, exploring some of the spiritual gifts as well. Checking up on those. Is my pace sustainable? And then recently I've been checking out these um, holy club questions, they're called, from John Wesley. So when John Wesley was at university in the mid-1800s, he had kind of this Christian union um, where about 20 guys would get together, um, you know, dressed in their sort of white, uh, black and white kind of coattails. I think of, you know, well, pre-Victorian times. Um, And I find it fascinating to picture this. They would gather together and have like an old school Christian union. And they, every time they met, they would ask themselves a set of 22 questions. They would go through these every time they met. And I won't read all of them to you, but when you get home, type into Google John Wesley Holy Club questions. They're fascinating, particularly when you think of uh, the age that they were in. Some of them that they were discussing were these. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I being a hypocrite? Um, Am I honest in all my acts and words or do I exaggerate? Uh, This one I really like considering um, the age that they were in. Am I a slave to dress, friends, work or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying or self-justifying? This is a great one, number seven. Did the Bible live in me today? Uh, Number nine, love this one. Am I enjoying prayer? That's a great question, isn't it? And so some of these questions we can um, really kind of dig into as a health check to examine our hearts. Through asking these big questions, we can kind of check up on the health. Where are we going? What are are our motives, our decisions? Uh, Psalm 51 
the start of it will know it well. Um, verse 10 says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart. So, so important that we check these motives. So, that's examine the heart. The next guitar string, A, is for advance humbly. Advance humbly. I think I overheard one of the groups saying uh, in that discussion time, they thought it was all about humility. And I uh, think that's, that's bang on. Well done, guys. Um, medals in the post. Uh, advance humbly. Jesus says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a pretty simple equation, isn't it, actually? All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. And there's a lot of talk about leadership, as I mentioned earlier. You know, in the church, there's a lot of talk on leadership too, which is brilliant. But actually, Jesus spent way more time talking about service, service, than leadership. To Jesus, real leadership equals humble service. And we know this, you know, we know this as Christians that when we lead worship, I think this is something that the older generation have really modeled to us uh, really well. And it's something that I think the younger generation need to be aware of is that God, when he sees us, he's not looking for stars. He's looking for servants. We're not called as the world would try and lead us into uh, this kind of celebrity culture. That's what's celebrated in the world now as this celebrity culture. We're not called to that. We're called to serve. And really, again, that's the heart uh, and the, the vision of Worship Central is to try and serve the local church. Uh, through the songs that we write, through the way that we uh, want to tr- try and help train and equip. Because we believe in service. And one of the little catchphrases that we have as as worship leaders, and um, Anna's really modelled this very well at Gas Street, is that we're always trying to do ourselves out of a job, which means we're always trying to look for those that are younger than us to try and help train and equip them, to help raise them up, to take over from us, this sense of passing on the baton. And I think that's all after this kind of thing of advancing humbly. We want to be humble with the things that God's given us. And throughout the Bible, we're encouraged to walk humbly. Peter challenges us in 1 Peter 5.5. He says this, actually clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And sometimes um, <laughs> we learn this the hard way. Uh, right at the start of Worship Central, um, kind of a year in, we got um, asked to come and lead worship at World Youth Day. Anyone been to World Youth Day or know of it? It's a, it's a Catholic um, uh, festi- festival primarily, and it's this kind of pilgrimage where uh, lots of young people um, make their way to a, to a location each year, I think it is, um, and they gather there to worship, to pray, and it's kind of this pilgrimage thing. And so this particular year, we got asked to lead worship at World Youth Day. It was in um, Bonn in Germany, uh, near Cologne. And uh, we were really excited by it. We thought, this is going to be amazing. This is our first trip leading worship as a kind of band. Uh, We got really excited. We, We had visions of this stadium full of people wanting to worship, you know, with us on the stage. Uh, we, we had visions of the Pope on his throne, looking down, tapping his foot to our soft rock music. 
It was going to be incredible. We got prepped. We, we changed our strings on our guitars. We ordered the best equipment out there. The drummer, he ordered a, a drum kit that Phil Collins would have been proud of. Uh, the, the, bass had this, the bass player had this, um, uh, this Ampeg fridge. It was literally taller than him. Actually, it was me, uh, so it was quite tall. Um, and the guitarist had this Marshall stack system. I mean, literally, we went all out. We got on the plane, and when we got off the plane, we were um, heading out the airport, and uh, we were just waiting for our um, you know, limousine to pull up to get us blacked-out windows. And we were a little bit confused when this kind of VW camper van kind of picked us up, and uh, we all squeezed in there with all our gear. And uh, so we thought, okay, right, we've got our transportation. We're on our way to the stadium now. Uh, l let's make sure we've got our sunglasses on, guys, because we don't want anyone to recognize us. You know, we're quite important uh, and famous. And so uh, we were expecting to see the stadium pretty uh, soon up ahead. And we were quite confused when uh, the uh, transportation pulled into um, a school car park. We're thinking, this is strange. Maybe we just have to put, you know, pick something up or, or something. And they said, this is where you're going to be staying. And uh, we were looking at ourselves quite confused and thought, this is, this is all very strange, you know, where's the stadium? And uh, so they said, can we show you to, to your rooms? I thought, okay, well, I hope there's some kind of hotel at the back of the school. Um, and uh, so they showed us to our accommodation that night, which was a classroom, and none of us had bought any bedding at all. So that night, the drummer, who'd bought a snare uh, drum with him, slept with the snare drum case around his midriff. Um, I cobbled together some sort of like pillow, which I think was my bass case at the time, and it was just crazy. Um, and uh, so we, we kind of muddled through the evening, uh, through the night. I think we got maybe one hour sleep that night. The next morning, they said, oh, we'd like to show you to where you'll be leading worship uh, today. And we thought, okay, well, we'll get back in the limo and head towards the stadium. But they took us down the uh, stairs uh, of the school into the school hall and said, here we are. And again, we were like, what? You know, we thought the stadium was, was our, our gig venue. Where's the Pope? Where's all the people? Um, and so we set up and we started sound checking. The caretaker ran out of his office to the front of the stage and said, stop, stop, this music is from the devil. We thought, whew, tough crowd. Maybe we should uh, call it a day now. And um, so that evening we led worship. There was about 60 Boy Scouts in front of us. Uh, but it was a great uh, evening. And we, we went back home to London um, we went out, a bunch of individuals, kind of uh, prima donnas, divas, and we came back a team of servants. We'd learn what it meant to serve through the gifts that God has, uh, had given us. And we were reminded that um, God is not calling us to this celebrity thing. We, we'd got our motives kind of mixed up. We'd got confused. And we came back realizing what it was all about. And the writer, uh, Andrew Murray, writes this. Humility is not a thing that will just come on its own. It must be made an object of special desire, prayer, faith, and practice. And so really quickly, how do we grow in faithfulness? You know, as we advance uh, in humility, uh, it's really important to ask this question. How can we grow in that? Five really quick things. Firstly, confession. 
It's something I think that we've lost a little bit in contemporary worship. Confession always leads to blessing. I think it's something that the, the Catholic Church have done amazingly well, is this idea of confession. Secondly, consider. Job uh, 37, 14 says, stop and consider God's wonders. You know, if we need a lesson in humility, all we need to do is kind of sit down and look up at the stars. Stop and consider God's wonders. You know, do we really think we're going to impress God? Is God looking down from heaven, you know, calling over the angels? Hey, come over and have a look at this. They've got a smoke machine now in church. Oh, look, they're using electric guitar now. Whoa. I don't think so. This is the God that made the heavens and the earth, the stars, the planets, the sun, the moon. Consider. Thirdly, contribute. Martin Luther said, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. I love that. So simple. Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Uh, right at the start of Gas Street, I remember just seeing Anna just week after week. You know, yes, she was the worship pastor, so she's responsible for the whole team and for leading worship uh, pretty regularly. But she would often, you know, you'd see her just setting out chairs or just doing anything that needed to be done. She was just contributing. Uh, fourthly, celebrate others. So simple again. But if we want to advance humbly, one of the best ways to do that is to push others forward. Not ourselves, but again, that do yourself out of a job. Who is it that we can be uh, raising up, pushing forward ahead of ourselves? So that's A for advance humbly. Next up is which string? Sorry? G? Oh, no. A few different. D. D. Good. I'm glad we got that right. Great. Thank you. D is for deny yourself. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, 25, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever wants to, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So before I um, became a worship pastor, I worked in musical theatre. So I moved over to London when I was 18, yeah, and um, studied in, in musical theatre and then worked in the industry for five years and uh, loved it. But the, the musical theatre industry is really intense. And um, like a lot of the training would be around practical, you know, dance, singing, acting, all that stuff. But a huge part of your training was developing your mindset to sort of last the industry, as it were. So you'd hear a lot of phrases like, well, the harder you work, the luckier you get. You create your own success. Um, it's all about how, you know, how much do you really want it? So, so much of that industry was built, you know, you are your product. You're, you're essentially going into an audition and selling who you are. So it's very much centered around um, you. And um, I remember there was a sort of unwritten rule for auditions that you could be best friends with someone outside, you know, in the changing room getting ready. But as soon as you got into that audition room, it was every man for themselves. So, you know, elbowing your way to the front, past your friends would be acceptable and then you'd be back friends again when you got outside so this whole industry was very much around you and a, a pressure really to be honest to try and create a success to create um, something for yourself and although it was intense I think it's a bit of a microcosm of what the world is like today you know many of you who have 
um, who work here will know that's what it's like. It's a dog-eat-dog kind of world. You create your own success. Um, and, you know, I think our culture now, particularly with, with millennials, of which I include myself in, we're very self-sufficient. You know, with an iPhone, I mean, it's actually pretty awesome, isn't it? But with an iPhone, I can basically stay in my house all the time, never need to go anywhere and totally survive. You know, you got online shopping, you got Amazon Prime, Amazon Now, it's pretty awesome. So in the context of what we're, what we're living in, what Jesus is saying here is absolutely radical. Like it's completely against the grain. Um, in the, the well-known film, The Matrix, anyone not seen The Matrix in here? No? Okay, cool. Oh, one for the list. Okay. Um, the character Mouse says this, to deny our impulses is to deny that which makes us human. To deny our impulses is to deny that which makes us human. I remember being so struck by that thought because actually what Jesus is saying and what he lived his life and preached about, the total opposite is true. You know, he preached that true freedom isn't being able to have everything that we desire instantly right now. But true freedom comes when we stop being a slave to those desires. And Jesus chose to deny himself completely, like to the ends of himself, for our sake. And he calls us to do the same. It's a tall order. And, you know, Luke's talked a lot about this idea of leadership and what that really means. And I think sometimes the whole worship leader thing and leadership and trying to be a great leader. And I've read tons of books on how to be a better leader. But actually... Um, the first thing we're called to do from this verse is to be a good follower. You know, and I think true leadership is about being a really good follower. And, you know, straight away you feel, oh gosh, pressure's off. It's not all on me. I just have to follow Jesus. Although I say just, that's pretty difficult as we all know. But I think for as leaders and, and trying to be authentic leaders, we need to learn when not to lead. And how to be led really well by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit, but also by others. Um, there's this story of uh, a well-known worship leader in the U.S. And uh, when he was younger, he felt called to, to be a worship leader full-time. So he approached his pastor, his church leader, and, um, and said, you know, here I am, I'm ready, the Lord has called me, I lay myself before thee, kind of thing. And um, his pastor very graciously said, well, actually, we're not looking for a worship leader at the moment, but we do have the position of a caretaker available, if that's something that you'd be interested in. And, you know, thinking, oh, this will be a nice segue, I'll do this for a few weeks, and then obviously I will assume the stage. Um, thought, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take that role. And so... Um, the weeks went by, you know, um, changing toilet rolls, cleaning toilets, stacking chairs, being the last one to lock up at night. And this guy became more and more frustrated with all these tasks. Like, when am I going to get my chance to lead worship on the stage? And there was one evening as he was um, stacking chairs, last thing, everyone had gone home, where he felt God really speak to him. And in that moment, he had a revelation that every single chair he was stacking, every toilet roll he changed was um, an act of worship to God, a precious offering 
of worship. And as Luke talked about humility, it was there that he learned what it meant um, to have a humble heart in worship, to, to be serving. In the message translation, uh, it says this in Luke 22. Kings like to throw their weight around and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader act the part of the servant. And so the authentic leader is a leader who's living for something that is greater than their personal fulfillment, denying themselves. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you think about it in our culture, living for something greater than yourself, living for something greater than success. That's what we're talking about. That, and, you know, this is obviously isn't a one-off process. It's something that we have to daily do, daily laying down my ambitions for the day, laying down what I want to achieve by the end of the day, denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Jesus. So D is for deny yourself. Brilliant. Next up is G. For grow in grace, grow in grace. Uh, Jesus uh, calls us to a life of growing in God's grace. He says this, the message uh, translation, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how to do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The well-known uh, Matt Redman, um, the well-known Matt Redman, the well-known worship leader, Matt Redman, uh, and songwriter, he uh, talks about a time in his life where he really experienced this, where he had to really um, just rely on God's grace and grow in it. Um, he talks uh, about a time when he uh, was suffering from real um, acute tendonitis in his arm. And the whole of his arm had uh, swollen up and um, he went to see a doctor and they gave him some advice. He was in agony and um, they told him that he had to fully rest for about seven weeks. And he said this about it. I could hardly do anything and most frustratingly of all, I couldn't play my guitar. I sat at home with loads of questions buzzing around in my head. Why was this happening? Would my arm f ever fully recover? Was it the devil or was it God? I didn't really have any theological answers, but I soon realized that whatever the answers to those questions, God was at work in the situation. He started to speak to me. As a servant, I was dispensable. Servants come and go and God could choose any of us to do any job in his kingdom. As a worship leader, I was replaceable. God could have used anyone for the events that we'd been privileged to be a part of. But as a child of God, I was indispensable. There could never be another me. A child is irreplaceable. And the amazing thing about that story and what it illustrates is that God's love for us is not performance related. I know it kind of sounds simple. But God's love for us is unconditional. It is radically liberating. You know, th this idea that our, our Father in heaven is pleased with us regardless of, of what we do, of the successes or the failures. What a relief. What a great place to be in. We can live our lives in this spacious place of his grace. You know, whatever you're feeling, you might, everyone's got a different story. Whatever you're feeling, whatever kind of emotions you're going through at the moment, the Father looks at you 
And he sees the same thing he saw in Jesus. And he says this over you, you are my child whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And that is what it means to grow in the unforced rhythms of grace, to simply rest in that knowledge of his love and to know more and more the Father's love so that we might become filled to overflowing with love for those around us. That's kind of the knock-on effect. You know, the, the more we know we're loved, the more we grasp God, uh, His extravagant and amazing gift of His grace, the more we will bring that encounter, that freeing knowledge, that freeing uh, gift to our friends, our families, our communities, and those around us. That'll, that's what it means to lead others into that encounter. Paul, uh, St. Paul puts it like this, that we would live lives that demonstrate that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Romans 5 uh, verse 20. So grow in grace. Next up, B is for? B is for be obedient. How's everyone doing? Good? With this? With this? Great. Awesome. Okay. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it, which says in Luke 11. Okay. So kind of obviously here, but in order to obey the word of God, then we have to hear it. All right. And this is something that all of us are on a journey with learning to hear the voice of God. And, you know, there are, there are tons of resources out there, but the most authentic leaders that I know are the ones that rely most heavily on the Word of God. So obedience begins with that regular practice of, of learning to hear God's voice. What does that look like for you? You know, what is that time with God spent in His presence listening to the voice of the Father? What does it look like for you? And I think um, so often as we as we journey through our Christian faith, it becomes about like, right, I've got to like hear what God's saying. Um, but as, as I find out, as I've grown in maturity in faith, it becomes more about this friendship and almost like a oneness with God. As you learn um, to hear his voice, it almost becomes more familiar. So there's a constant journey for all of us, like a constant challenge every single day. I want to be growing in hearing the voice of God. But of course, then it'd be nice if obedience stopped there. You know, I hear the voice of God. Good. Tick. Done. But um obedience uh, you have to do to be obedient right and the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer says one act of obedience is better than 100 sermons or in our case songs I love that one act of obedience to God is better than 100 sermons Mike Pilavati um, says this thing that God does anyone know the five love languages have you heard of that and then you got like all you know five love languages for married people for single people all like genres that there are um, and he says this thing that God has a sixth love language, which is obedience. You know, God loves it when we take a step out in faith for his sake. When we go beyond the edges of ourselves and what we know and take a step out into the unknown for his glory. And when we're we leading worship, you know, something that I'm constantly challenging myself with. We've got this phrase that we've got one eye on the congregation. And yes, of course, you want to see what is God doing in the room? Where are people at? But that we've got one eye on the Lord as well. And we're saying, God, what is it that you want to do right now? Constantly going between those two things. Because I don't know about you, but I, I've led worship now for about um, six years. And 
I just, I'm kind of done with safe in the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus didn't come to earth to play safe and to teach us how to live a nice, cushy, safe life. He was absolutely radical. And sometimes I think in, in the church we're in danger, and I, I count myself in this category, of putting on really good services that are really nice and they're enjoyable and everyone feels safe. But are we being obedient to what God is calling us to do every day? And that is such a challenge for us, but absolutely paramount for us as leaders as we're trying to lead people into an encounter. We've got to be constantly listening to the voice of the Father. You know, even last night we had songs planned, but we're constantly asking like, God, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you want to do? And then hearing something and then stepping out and doing it. And sometimes I think with risk taking, we often feel afraid that, oh no, what if I get it wrong and I look stupid and then everyone disengages from worship. But the truth is, nobody dies. There have been plenty of times where I felt like God say, oh, okay, I want you to just try and sing this out or give this prophetic word. And I've done it and no one's responded. No big deal move on. But there's been other times where I've taken risks and um, either given a prophetic word or sung a prophetic or whatever it might look like. And what it's unlocked in the room has been incredible. We've seen healings. We've seen people come to faith and it is so worth it. And what I, and there've been times where I've, I've heard God and I've said, no, I don't feel up to it today. And then you always have that thing of, you're left wondering, what if, what if I had done it? There's this quote that I heard, that it's neat and tidy in the graveyard, but alive and messy in the nursery. I love that. It's neat and tidy in the graveyard, but alive and messy in the nursery. And are we creating a culture in our churches and in our worship teams where it's okay to get it wrong? It's okay for it to get a bit messy. No one's going to die. So B is for be obedient. Let's be a culture that is obedient, listens to the voice of God and take risks. And finally, E is for uh, the E string, uh, which is enjoy the adventure. And just very quickly on this one. Um, sometimes I think we can take, well, I know I can take myself too seriously. And uh, as leaders, as worship leaders, we've got to learn not to take ourselves too seriously. Over intensity is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I love that. We don't need to like get so intense and worked up in our worship set. We can just relax and enjoy the adventure. You know, for me on, on our worship team, um, a bit of a warning sign for me is if we stop bantering, if we stop having a laugh together, um, because we've got to be able to uh, have fun, laugh at ourselves and enjoy the adventure as we go along. So that's it. Okay, awesome. So we're going to do some questions now. So why don't you just take maybe a minute, um, have a think. If you've take, taken notes, just read through, have a think. And we'd love to take questions from anyone. You know, so often the good stuff really comes out in these Q&A times. So we'll take any kind of question, either on what we've talked about or on how you disciple your, um, your team members, what worship and discipleship looks like, some of the things that you might be experiencing in your church and in your team. So yeah, take 30 seconds and then we'll open up for questions. Yeah. The um, so just to repeat the question, thoughts on the practicalities of bringing others on in, in leadership? And doing yourself out of a job. Yeah, okay. So um, 
Uh, so many things. Okay. Well, at the moment, I'll just give you an example at the moment. There's, um, I'm constantly looking for like, who's going to be the next me specifically. So, um, there's a girl in our church at the moment and she's actually 12 years old. And, uh, so I've just got her involved with, with the team. I mean, she's, she's super young, right? So I'm just getting her involved. She's like singing backing vocals on the team spending time with her, loads of giving her feedback every time she sings, obviously quite gently because she's like particularly young. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think just getting people involved with what you're doing and you you spot either a particular gifting or a particular anointing and then making a beeline to invest in that person. And I think um, feedback is absolutely key you know, if we, if we want to journey with people, the things that I look for are, um, men or women who of real integrity and that are really teachable. I think if you've got those two things, it's really easy to, to train. If someone's not teachable, it's, it's really difficult to, to raise them up. So that's absolutely key. Um, so back to the feedback thing, like being really clear on, you know, if they, if they do something that you are super encouraging, that you're, really specific if you're giving constructive criticism. I think sometimes in the church we're afraid of doing that because we might hurt people's feelings. That's rubbish. If it's done really well and encouraging and and specific, then it can be actually the best way to disciple someone. Um, And and then just seeing what God does, you know. We've we've also got to sort of, and God will do what only God can do. And God will have favor on who he wants to have favor. And so, yes, we invest, but then it's letting him do what he will. And, um, yeah, have you got any more thoughts on that? Yeah, I think one thing that Anna's done really well, I can say it's, you know, proud husband. But also, um, she's my worship pastor as well. So uh, I bow to her authority. Um, But um, I I think one thing that she's done really well is she's upskilled. So she's aware that she's managing other people, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're in a worship team of like four other people, you're overseeing them. So um, you need to um, upskill yourself to a point where you can lead those effectively. So whether it is taking some kind of uh, master classes or something, just upskilling yourself, she's done that. And she's, um, she's even had some coaching from someone who's an expert in kind of HR, like to really dig into how do I get the best out of people? You know, I remember reading reading um, Sir Alex Ferguson's book, uh, Leading. Uh, any fans? Man United fans? Yeah, good. Um, best best team in the world. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he talks about how he had to manage different players in a different way. So he talks about the, the way he managed uh, Cantona was different. He used to manage Cantona much more as a father figure. So he would talk to him on a kind of father-son level, like, you know, you're doing really well, you know, what about this? He'd, he'd be much more softly, softly. Whereas with Giggsy, he'd be like, Giggs, that was rubbish. What are you doing? You can play much better than that. And Giggsy would respond to that. And I think you have this line, you know, that some people uh, respond to direction and some to affection and uh, that that's kind of that illustration with Cantona and Giggsy and so it's, it's being aware of how you can help uh, those different ones that you lead in different ways um, you know whether it's age or experience or just different personality types so I think digging into some of that is really helpful another question yeah sure yeah 
does, yep, just to repeat the question. So talking about risk-taking, being radical, often you can try and do that and step out, but look behind and see that you're on your own. How do you kind of navigate that? Brilliant question. I think first and foremost, um, as a worship leader, you are under the authority of your church leader, 100%. And so, you know, the conversations with them around this stuff is absolutely key. But in a way, they, they're like your ceiling. You never want to outdo their authority. Um, and then the other phrase that uh, I have or have found really helpful is that particularly with worship is you want to be a pastor and a prophet. So you want to lead prophetically and push people into uncomfortable or perhaps new territory. But at the same time, you want to be a pastor and you want to bring them with with you. So it's constantly thinking about that tension all the time. Um, so we need wisdom, of course, but not staying there because if, if we stay in pastors and then we'll never push people forward. So yeah, it's a tension of those two things, I think. I think it's also um, praying for our churches, praying for our congregations, you know, so important. Um, I remember um, this worship leader saying that they moved churches and uh, kind of the initial um, period of that moving and that they began to lead worship and this morning congregation. And he looked out and it was literally just like stone cold, like arms folded, like, people staring back at him like, I'm going to kill you, you know. And uh, he was like, does anyone love Jesus in this place? And if you do, can you please tell your face that you do, you know, kind of thing. And he was getting so frustrated. He was like, gosh, if, if we're in love with Jesus, like, surely we should, you know, express that physically, like worship Romans 12, 1, like it's the whole of our bodies we offer as a living sacrifice, not just this sort of cute little religion that we're a part of. And he was getting more and more frustrated. He was like, God, you know, please do something about these people. You know, use your lightning bolt to smite them. You know, kind of getting uh, quite passionate about it. And he just felt like God say to him, stop. I, I, I love these people. These are my children. I love them. And you need to love them too. And he felt really convicted in that place that he needs just to pray. And as he began to pray, actually, over the next few months, he, he began to see a shift where there was much more openness to the spirit and much more freedom in worship. And I think as worship leaders, we, it's so easy for us to get so frustrated at where things are at. You know, we, we see a picture of where things could go. Um, but we just need to commit to praying for God to move amongst us. And, and again, you know, through the power of his spirit, we've got to ask God to do it. We know that God is going to build his church. It doesn't rest on us, and that's really freeing as well. And we just need to pray that his spirit would begin to move and revive us again. Um, so, last question. Yes. Yeah, so the question is... Um, with this whole liberation idea and how much do we plan songs around the sermon? Is it just um, kind of uh, kind of freestyle or how much do we plan around it? I think, um, I'll say a bit, and then, um, I think we, we would 100% say that if we're asking God to speak to us in the planning, then it's spirit-led. Like, we either believe that or we don't, and we kind of second-guess ourselves. So we, we ask God, come and inspire us. Come and inspire our thinking. Um, uh, speak to us about what you're doing in our church in this season. And so um, if that's our prayer, then we should expect our planning to be spirit-led. But we have this phrase that we always want to have freedom within a framework. So we don't just kind of get up there on a Sunday morning and jam through a few songs. 
Uh, like, there's got to be more to it than that, surely. Uh, you know, imagine if the speaker just got up and was like, um, yeah, so this Sunday, um, just thinking we should talk about um, holiness. And, you know, you'd be like, oh my gosh, kill me now. This is painful. Um, imagine if a worship leader just got up there and was like, mm, what song should we do now? Um, da, da, da. No, like we, we should expect the same commitment. After all, a lot of the time worship is, is kind of 50% of our services, you know. Um, and so we should really approach it with the same dedication and responsibility as a, as a preacher would. So there's planning there, but then there's also freedom within a framework. We need to be asking the questioners and saying one eye on God and one eye on what he's doing. Like, where are you going, God? And that's why we should always be willing to change up the set of songs, um, go off piste. We have this kind of off piste safari language where we have a set list, but we can go anywhere. And so we, we ask that the guys in the team would be as prepared to just go freestyle and go anywhere so we all learn a bank of songs that we we can pull out a song uh, if we feel like that's appropriate for where God's leading um and but then we're always thinking about the sermon as well like you know is there a theme and particularly off the back of the sermon we'd be thinking about song choice how can we respond to what's been spoken about great good no worries um you had a question yeah last one Mm, wow Big question. Um, around notice. Yeah, thanks. Um, around um, morality in leadership. Um, what was your name? Sorry. Lauren was just saying how she's seen some leaders who've gone through a particularly difficult time where they felt far from God and have stepped back from leadership equally, like had, you know, more um, serious pastoral stuff going on in their lives. What are some of the boundaries with that? How do you navigate that stuff? Okay. Um, well, I think the the feeling far from God thing, um, dry seasons. You know, if you look throughout the scriptures, da- like look in the Psalms, David went through so many dry patches. Like God, where are you? And I, and I sort of feel like some of the language is being censored. If you like look at the the heart and the emotion that's in the Psalms, it's probably been censored for the Bible, right? It's like full on emotion. What the is going on God you know and so I think um, that's okay like we've got to we've got to have honest raw authentic relationships with the father um, and that for each of us as leaders you know we, we have to learn to, to self-lead I think that's like fundamental with leadership you can't lead others until you're able to lead yourself having those regular disciplines time with God learning to hear God's voice like basic really for being a leader and um but we'll all have seasons in life where we're like what's going on like stuff happens that that's life and and so for me i think yeah i think i wouldn't see that as a reason to step down um necessarily uh but i suppose then it's learning how not to drag that into your public ministry if that was you know if you're constantly talking about how frustrated you are with God it's not particularly inspiring for other people but if you've got a space to do that offline then absolutely I actually think it's really important um with sort of the more morality things um you know affairs or that kind of thing I think again it's getting to the heart of that stuff and you know something like having an affair there's going to be deep rooted 
um, heart issues going on in someone's life. And um, you always want to look at the person first. So more often than not, well, actually all the time, it's going to be that person needs some time off to really refocus their relationship with God. You know, as Dave was talking about last night, um, how that outworks in your marriage, in your in your parenting, and there was something else. Um, that's absolutely key. So yeah, but it probably would make sense to have have time for that. Um, but uh, I mean, the lines <laughs> that I mean, the, we we, should, we have we could probably have another conversation about that. I think that really comes down to. Um, church leader what it says in the bible is pretty pretty clear and i think that's probably a good one to go off as well um but also we have to recognize that there's a there's a responsibility that comes with leadership public leadership for sure and um whether you like it or not as soon as you start leading people as luke's been talking about whether that's in like a worship team context you know you're leading other people into an encounter you know, you're leading someone to faith, they straight away look at your life as an example. And you, you, you can't get away from that. It's, it's the privilege, it's the burden of leadership. So um, we have to take that pretty seriously, I think. And so it, in terms of how we're living our lives, um, we have to be aware that, yeah, that people are watching. So that's how I'd make some of the calls. And as Dave said, you know, discipleship is about becoming more like Jesus. Uh, and that's the goal here. And so, you know, we all need to be seeking to move towards um, being, you know, Christ's uh, likeness um, on the earth. And so I think that discipleship thing is all about in every area of our life, like how are we moving towards um, holiness and purity in, in all areas of our lives. Let me pray for us as we finish. Um, Lord, thank you so much for uh, what you're doing over these days, uh, New Horizon, and uh, the way in which you're speaking to us um, and transforming us. And Lord, we pray that um, as uh, us in this room, uh, um, we're leading worship um, in communities, in churches. God, I I pray firstly that you'd inspire us afresh by your spirit, that your spirit would uh, move in our hearts in our minds, in our souls, again, and refresh us, Lord, where many of us have been um, serving for for maybe years. Lord, we ask that your spirit, that living water, would be poured out afresh on us and refill us to overflow. And Lord, we ask that um, this whole discipleship thing, we would move closer toward being more like you, Jesus. We ask that you'd uh, show us, um, highlight little areas in our lives that we um, could uh, bring before you and ask for help uh, to become more like you, Jesus. And Lord, help our teams as well. We pray anointing on every worship team that's represented in this room, Lord, that even as we approach um, Sunday coming up and and through this week, Lord, that you would be speaking to us, inspiring us about our teams, the people that we manage the people that we lead. Help us to um, bring others up, to raise others up into positions of, uh, of leadership within worship and help us to disciple uh, many others in our teams, Lord. And so we ask, Spirit of God, come and breathe afresh on the worship teams and the worship life of all the churches represented here. For your glory's sake, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.